Now, of course, at the end of our time together today, uh, at the end of the sermon, we'll have the opportunity for discussion. Uh, and last week we saw that um, there's lots to discuss. So uh, please do uh, participate in that in comments and questions. Um, I would also commend to you the sermon outline just to help you uh, keep on track and uh, keep with us as we work through the issues today. So Rod has emailed that out. Uh, if you've not yet opened that uh, email attachment, I'd suggest you do. Uh, that'll be helpful uh, just to give you an overview of where we're going. And now just a comment then on the, uh, the series. Uh, last week we did uh, the issue of community. Uh, so it was COVID and community. Uh, this week we're going to look at COVID and love. And uh, next week and finally, in our third and final sermon in this series, we'll look at COVID and thankfulness. Now, I did work hard at trying to get uh, uh, words which began with C to complement COVID. So, um, but I have sacrificed that inclination uh, for the sake of clarity. So we've gone with uh, community, uh, with love and with thankfulness. But if you do put those in reverse order, then you do get the acronym TLC which maybe is a helpful way of remembering it. So uh, let me pray for us uh, before we look further at this issue of um, COVID and love, self-sacrificial love. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, as we reflect together on your word and on our lives and on our world, we pray that uh, we would see more clearly uh, how we can live lives of self-sacrificial love in this pandemic context, particularly following the example of Christ, who came from heaven to earth to love us and to save us and to serve us. Amen. Well, of course, the situation uh, in this pandemic uh, is changing rapidly. And indeed, we have very little control over it. Uh, just think about it. A year ago, uh, the prospect of a vaccine was potentially distant and uncertain prospect. And now, 12 months later, uh, we are nearing the point in New South Wales of being able to reopen due to the majority of the population having been vaccinated. And of course, we're already uh, seeing the easing of those restrictions as we speak. Uh, the issues we are facing are shifting. Uh, we've moved from uh, chaffing at the restrictions to now being more concerned maybe, about the anxiety of re-entry. A big issue now. Uh, is the divide between uh, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And this indeed has led to much uh, controversy, uh, to debate and to dilemma. Uh, some are suspicious of government and media and with some justification. Uh, some are rightly anxious about vaccines in terms of their own health, maybe they're immunocompromised, uh, in regards to the health of others, uh, the concern about passing on the virus or indeed they may be anxious in terms of the safety of the vaccines. Having a lot of trouble with the so uh, being emotionally of a constantly changing. Rod, can you guide me if I've frozen? Uh, you had, uh, just come back now. 
Um, right, so where do we get up to? You've just spoken about uh, the concerns about the safety of the vaccines. Okay. So, yes, welcome back. Uh, so some are rightly anxious about the vaccines. Uh, and this topic indeed has generated more uh, heat than light. So we're going to ask the question this morning, how does the gospel guide us? Uh, how does the gospel help us in our attitudes and indeed in our verbal interactions as well as our actions? So the great commandment, of course, is uh, to love God with all our heart, soul and mind and to love others as ourselves. And so the question we're going to ask this morning is, what does loving others look like? Indeed, what does self-sacrificial love look like? And what factors will work against us loving others? Uh, in other words, uh, what do we need to remember about our fallen condition? Because, of course, there's no point in sticking our head in the sand and being naive. So I'll give you a roadmap as to where we're going to go this morning. I'll, for a moment, talk through the outline. Uh, firstly, we're going to look at the issue of self at the centre, at the idol of autonomy uh, and self-determination. Uh, secondly, then we'll go on to think about our emotional reactions and how they reveal our hearts. I'm thinking particularly about our emotional reactions in this time of pandemic. Uh, thirdly, then we'll look at Christ's call to all of his people uh, to love others as well as loving themselves. Uh, fourthly, we'll think about self-sacrificial love in practice. And finally, we'll think about the witness to the world of our self-sacrificial love. Uh, we're going to increase in our momentum as we work through these issues, so we'll um, allowing time for discussion. So um, we'll probably find that as we get towards the end, we'll move more quickly over it to allow time. So let us uh, set off on this wonderful journey together this morning. Self at the centre, uh, the idol of autonomy and self-determination. Uh, at heart, by nature, we are all self-centred individuals. Uh, this is nothing new. Uh, what do we see in Genesis chapter 3? Uh, the very essence of humanity's rebellion against God is indeed enthronement of self. Uh, Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, the enthronement of self. So you see this self-centredness is nothing new. Uh, but it has been made more acute, indeed, by the spirit of our age. Uh, what is central to what is called post-enlightenment Western culture? And it's this, a radical individualism. Uh, the 19th century enlightenment brought about uh, a fundamental shift. Uh, personal preference was now elevated over community good. And so uh, we saw that there was this new uh, inclination to radical individualism. The emphasis now was more on each person being like an island and each person having a right to rule over the kingdom of their life. And uh, uncomfortably, uh, the pandemic has brought challenges to our individual liberties, uh, our abilities to rule over this little kingdom sphere of our lives, because the pandemic has meant we have lost some of our autonomous control. Uh, we've been forced to surrender some of our individual freedoms for the sake of the community good. Uh, government health orders have been placed on us and indeed have restricted us in terms of who we can see and where we can go. Uh, unlike never before in our liberal uh, Western democracy here in Australia, 
that the movements of people have been exposed to government monitoring and media scrutiny. A contract tracing has made it plain to all how the actions and the decisions of an individual impact on others. And on top of all that, uh, the media, of course, has named and shamed those who have caused outbreaks through breaching public health order regulations. Uh, yet, here's the irony. Uh, whilst the pandemic may have curtailed many of our liberties, uh, there is also a sense in which it may also have pandered to our desire for autonomy. Uh, while some aspects of isolation may be unwelcome, others may actually be attractive to us. You see, if I operate in isolation, then I have more control over my life. And indeed, I'm less constrained by having to take uh, the interests and the views of others into account. Now, there are many different causes of what's been called re-entry anxiety. But here's the question. Is one of those reasons for this re-entry anxiety that we are en envisaging the prospect of losing some control over our own little world, our own little kingdom, as we resume a higher level of interaction, we are now being forced to take into account the needs and the views of others more acutely. You see, it's always been true uh, that others are affected by my actions, both good and bad, but maybe this pandemic has served to highlight that all the more. Uh, the pandemic has put the spotlight on how we are inevitably interconnected. Uh, each person is not an island, and how I behave has an impact on others. Okay, so let's keep going. And we've thought, 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 <laughs> we thought firstly about self at the center, the idol of autonomy and self-determination. Uh, let's move on to think about our emotional reactions and indeed how they reveal our hearts. And I'm thinking particularly, of course, in the, this context of the pandemic. Um, emotions act as text messages from our hearts. Emotions reveal what is really going on in the control center of our lives. Uh, emotions expose what we truly value. Uh, here are some examples. Uh, there may be negative emotions, uh, fear, anger, disgust, sadness where what we value in our hearts has been offended or threatened. Or there may be positive emotions, uh, principally happiness, where what we value in our hearts is being affirmed. And let's dig down a bit deeper and think about some actual practical examples. Uh, firstly, we may have well have experienced and we have experienced sadness at the loss of the good. Uh, the pandemic has deprived us of many God-given blessings. Uh, these are part of God's gift to us, uh, part of the gift of the goodness of life. Think about it, the joy of family and friends, the loss of personal space or restrictions in the way we relax and we recharge. And so we rightly feel sad at the loss of these good aspects of life. Here's another uh, way that our emotions have been affected and played out in the pandemic, the fear at the censure of others. Uh, there was an article on the ABC website today. Uh, and it was all about how uh, people feel stigma uh, when they catch COVID. 
In this article, one person said that they were treated as if they had contracted leprosy. In our discussion time last week after the sermon, of course, Jono shared about the anxiety of catching the virus and transmitting it to others that many feel. Many feel that anxiety. Here's a third emotion. Uh, frustration at the selfishness of others. Uh, this has been very real for many of us. Uh, this frustration and indeed at times despair at the selfishness and the inconsiderate choices and behaviour of others. Uh, particularly thinking of those who flout health orders, regulations. Uh, their actions are prolonging the hardship for all of us. And so we feel frustrated at the selfishness of others. Uh, fourthly, another emotion is the resistance we feel to the restrictions which are placed on our autonomy and our freedoms. Out of consideration for others, I can no longer do this or that or see this or that person. And we may feel inner resistance when called to sacrifice elements of our freedom and to sacrifice our preferences for the sake of others. I think there's one other emotional category I'd like to mention. I haven't put this in the outline, but it uh, became clearer to me as I reflected further since sending out the outline to you. And it's this uh, frustration with those who don't see the situation as I see it. Uh, some people are struggling to trust the government or medical science. And in some cases, there is justification for that. And as a result, these people may carry deep concerns and hesitancy about vaccines. And in such situations, sometimes we find in our hearts this emotion of impatience. Uh, why can't everyone see the world as I see it? So you see in different ways, uh, we get these text messages from our hearts, which uh, tell us what's going on in our hearts. And what I'm gonna to put to you this morning is this, uh, this emotions are important and there is real value in us being attentive to them or they reveal what is happening in our hearts and they point to issues that we need to think through and that we need to process. They actually help us understand and grow in our self-awareness as we were thinking about previously in one of the sermons on spiritual health. So we'll come back to this issues of emotions shortly. But before we do this, uh, let's consider how God's word speaks into the situation that we're seeing in this pandemic. In particular, Christ's call to love others as well as self. And this passage in Philippians 2 is our purple passage for today, and it speaks powerfully into our situation and what we're talking about today. Philippians 2 verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, this passage describes uh, this incredible path of humility uh, chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity. 
You see, the son of God didn't use his rights uh, for his own advantage. Rather, he willingly surrendered his rights as God in order to come to love us and to serve us and to save us. And he gave up his rights for the love and the sake of others. As God, he put aside his glory uh, to become human, to take on human flesh. Uh, As God, he surrendered his rights to be served in order to serve. And as God incarnate, as a human, he gave up his rights to life to die for us on the cross. And the song uh, that was played just before the sermon, Lord, I lift your name on high, of course, picks up on this. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave. There it is, the descent of Christ. He willingly chose and embraced that path of humility and surrender and the putting aside of his rights to love and serve others. Now, the one who issues the command to look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others, is the one who has led the way through his own costly example. And now he calls all who would follow him to do the same. So we don't only love ourselves, but we also love others. And love for others may mean that we have to limit our own liberty. So how do we live this out in this current pandemic context? Uh, What does self-sacrificial love practically look like? Which brings us to our fourth fourth point this morning, uh, self-sacrificial love in practice. Now, there are three areas to think about under this heading of uh, self-sacrificial love in practice. Uh, Firstly, we'll think about uh, understanding and attending to our own hearts. Uh, Secondly, uh, loving others who have different points of view. And thirdly, uh, loving others through actions. So the first of those, understanding and attending to our own hearts. Now, it may seem rather strange to start a section about self-sacrificial love with a focus on self. Yet, if all is not right in our hearts, I would suggest to you that we're going to struggle to love others well. Uh, we will be stuck in a bad place. And therefore, it is wise to attend to our hearts. How do we do that? Uh, By being attentive to our emotions and our reactions. What do I mean? Uh, Let me unpack this a little bit. Uh, Firstly, uh, grieving, not grumbling. Uh, Some of our emotions point to the loss of a a legitimate God-given good. Uh, For example, uh, being able to breathe air without the discomfort of wearing a mask, Uh, the loss of our personal space due to homeschooling. Uh, We may grieve the loss of the benefits of going into the office through now having to work at home. Uh, Here's a big one. Uh, We may grieve the loss of going to the beach, although happily that has been restored to us with a lifting of the LGE movement restrictions. So uh, we, in different ways, grieve the loss of legitimate goods. And the point is this, we need to grieve them. Uh, Grieving losses is vital for our emotional and mental health. If we don't 
grieve our losses, then we remain stuck in a place of unexpressed sadness. And here's the danger. If we have unexpressed sadness, it may then morph into grumbling. Uh, Think of uh, Israel in the desert. It may morph into self-pity, and it may even morph into resentment and anger. In different ways, uh, we have all suffered many losses through this pandemic. Uh, Did you know that there are actually six different categories of losses that have been identified? Uh, I'm not going to go into them all now, but if you're interested to explore this whole area of losses and how we actively and healthily can grieve them, uh, let me know, because I've got a couple of good resources that I can send to you. So uh, we have good God-given gifts, which we have lost through the pandemic, which we need to grieve. And that's a process in our hearts. And another part of that grieving process is also lamenting. And that is where we express this sadness of those losses, particularly not just to others in grieving, but to God. Uh, So I'm not going to go into this in detail now, uh, but the importance of grieving and lamenting is key to processing the losses we feel. And I will mention another resource, uh, and I mentioned this before, but this book, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, by a guy whose name I can't pronounce. He looks suspiciously uh, Dutch in origin, Uh, Mark Rugloop. You can work out how to pronounce him. Anyway, there he is. But um, in spite of the complexities of pronouncing his name, the book is absolutely excellent on this whole issue of lamenting of losses to God. All right, let's keep going. So uh, we're thinking about understanding and attending to our hearts. Firstly, we thought about grieving, not grumbling. Uh, Secondly, uh, confessing our failures to love others through self-centeredness. Sometimes when we look at the emotions of our hearts and we particularly process what they're saying to us, actually sometimes there's a legitimate emotion of maybe guilt or shame. And this is coming from maybe where we're starting to see that we haven't loved others as we should. We are seeing actually maybe through those emotions of guilt and shame, that actually there's some point to it. They're convicting us that we failed to love others. And therefore, uh, where we see that there has been self-centeredness in our hearts, uh, there is a need for us to put the wrong right. Uh, Maybe we then need to go to, well, we certainly need to go to God and to confess our wrongs, but we also, in some instances, need to then go to others uh, to confess our wrongs, our failures to love them, and to ask for their forgiveness. All right, so that's uh, just briefly skating over this issue of understanding and attending to our hearts. Uh, let's move on to the second of the main uh, areas, loving others who have a different point of view. Uh, the issue of vaccines, yeah, it's delicate, and it's an emotional issue. So how do we love others who have a different point of view? Uh, The first practical consideration is this. We humbly pause to listen with respect and patience to the other people, other person's point of view. Uh, The internet has given us the option of uh, each becoming experts in a field. And the danger is that we do our research and then we settle on a position And we become very convinced that we are right and that those who hold a different point of view, they've got to be wrong. Uh, Yet we don't know what the other person has, how they've come to the position they've come to. And we don't know how they've come to their position. 
Uh, the world of their life is different to the world of our life. Uh, so another person will be impacted by different factors and considerations to those which have shaped our perspective and our conclusions on this matter. So the point is this, there is real wisdom in being humble. There is real wisdom in slowing down and acknowledging, hey, maybe I'm not infallible. Uh, where we are uh, suspicious of other people's position, maybe there's wisdom in learning to be a little suspicious of our own as well. You see, we should seek to be understanding of others' points of view. Uh, we should be slow to speak and quick to listen. When I was reflecting on this, that proverb uh, in Proverbs 10 verse 19 particularly came to mind. Uh, when words are many, Sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Often in these uh, discussions on vaccines, uh, they generate more heat than light, and maybe words are too lightly thrown. Heavy words are too lightly thrown. And when words are many, uh, sin is not absent. So uh, we're thinking about loving others who have different points of view. Uh, the first sort of point has been this humbly pausing to listen and uh, understand the other person's point of view. Uh, the next point is to not to judge them and not to condemn them, but allow room for difference of opinion on matters which at the end of the day are matters of conscience. Uh, whilst the issue of vaccines is delicate and emotive, uh, at the end of the day, it's not a gospel issue. It's what's called a, a secondary issue or a, a matter of conscience. Romans chapter 14 provides a wisdom to Christians on how to navigate uh, the choppy waters of uh, disagreements on what are called disputable matters, uh, these matters of conscience. Romans 14 verse 1. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Uh, to be clear, uh, when it comes to the issues of vaccines, it's not that one side of the debate is taken, uh, one side of the debate is uh, those who are weak in their faith. Uh, there are godly, mature Christians who hold different views on vaccines. But the point is that we worship a God who understands that not every Christian is going to agree on everything. And we are to respect and even to protect each other's consciences and their, their choices, even if we think they're wrong. So in this section on the practice of self-sacrificial love, uh, we've thought about the importance of attending to our own hearts. Uh, secondly, we've reflected on how to love others with a different point of view. Finally, let's move on to our third area of consideration, loving others through actions. And I'm thinking here about particularly at the intentional looking for ways to love and to encourage others. Galatians 6 verse 10 says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, uh, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Uh, we have countless opportunities in this pandemic to love others through our actions and our words. Uh, if only we'll have the eyes to see them. The opportunities are all around us. Uh, Tracy was uh, telling me the other day of... Um, how she was enjoying 
the uh, wonderful uh, restored option of going back to op shops. And uh, she went up to one of the op shops. And of course, she was asked for her uh, vaccine passport before entry. And uh, yeah, she not only showed it, but she said, she just spoke encouraging words to the shop assistant. Uh, and the shop assistant expressed real gratitude uh, for just uh, Tracy's words of encouragement and kindness and softness. Because to put yourselves in the position of a shop assistant, it must be incredibly uncomfortable uh, to have to keep asking people for proof of vaccination. Uh, and yet to say encouraging words to them is a real uh, incredible act of love. Simple thing, but it's real to them. Uh, another way we can express love through our actions is by gifts of care and offers of help. And Trace and myself and our family have, ex uh, have experienced that for many of you. And we thank you once again for your gifts and acts of kindness. And I know that you've been doing it to each other and to other people in your community. Uh, let's keep doing that. And particularly, uh, let's think about how we can be loving and caring to those who are what are called the, uh, the vaccine cautious. Because, of course, they are the ones who are going to remain more isolated for a while. How can we love the vaccine cautious? So we can love all people, uh, whether or not they're in the church or outside of the church. But the care of people in the church is the particular responsibility of every believer. Did you know that there are 57 one another verses in the Bible? And the most frequent of those one another verses is love one another. So let's keep supporting each other, making calls, sending meals, providing care packages, even sending flowers, going for a walk and taking an interest in checking up on each other. All right, the last and final point before we open up to comments and questions, and this is in conclusion the witness to the world of our self-sacrificial love. As we live out this self-sacrificial love of Christ, uh, the watching world takes notice. Uh, it is powerful when we live it out well. Because at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're actually incarnating the gospel. Uh, the gospel is being lived out in the flesh of real everyday life situations and real everyday relationships. And as we do that, uh, we, as that passage in Philippians said, we shine like stars. We shine like stars. There's something different about the way that we love people. Uh, not standing on our own rights, but in instances, sacrificing them for others and the good of others. Here it is again in Philippians 2, verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Uh, let me conclude then by a quote by Ray Gillier, um, very gifted and godly pastor of uh, MBM Rooty Hill. Uh, he put it like this, and I quote, uh, God's church should be a profound mystery to the world, a place where men, women, Young and old, where people of many different cultures, classes and political persuasions come together in love, united by Christ's precious blood and sealed by his Holy Spirit. Let's not divide it over vaccines. 
So let me pray for us and then we'll open up to comments and questions. Heavenly Father, uh, as we've considered what it looks like to live out uh, self-sacrificial love as Christ has done, uh, we indeed see it as challenging, but we see it as an opportunity as well to live out the gospel uh, in a world which uh, in many ways has become uh, increasingly self-focused and divided. Help us through our love and our unity uh, to be a witness, we pray, to a watching world. For our good and for your glory. Amen.